After a brief hiatus, Porsche returns to top-level prototype racing with their new 963 LMDH car, which is set to debut at next year's Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. The German mark has teamed up with Roger Penske to create one of the most high-powered partnerships anywhere on the grid. Penske notably ran Porsche's RS Spiders, collecting three consecutive LMP2 titles with the car in the mid-2000s. The captain also successfully ran the iconic Porsche 917 in Can-Am in the 70s. In a true display of force, Porsche Penske Motorsport will simultaneously operate two cars next season in both the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the World Endurance Championship, including running in the 100th edition of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Despite the long list of global victories and championships, Penske has never won at Le Mans, something Porsche has done 19 times overall. Overseeing two full-fledged top-level prototype programs across the sport's two largest championships is no easy feat. That's why the captain has entrusted longtime race engineer and manager Jonathan Duguid with the role of Porsche Penske Motorsport Managing Director. Over the last 18 years, Duguid has been pivotal in some of Penske's most notable victories in both IndyCar and in sports car racing. Today, I sit down with Duguid to talk about the development of the Porsche 963, what it will take to run two simultaneous multi-car efforts, and how all of this will play out as sports car racing's golden era kicks off in Daytona next January. I first want to ask you about the 36-hour test at Sebring that Porsche Penske just completed. This was a monumental task. Have you ever taken part in a test of, of this magnitude in your time at Penske or even before that? Uh, no, a test like that's nothing I've ever been a part of, but um, you know, obviously we're we're doing endurance racing and racing endurance cars. So it's, it's really important to make sure the car lives before we make the car fast. Um, and it's not just about the cars tests like this give opportunities to, to run our personnel and drivers through, um, race style simulations. And, you know, to give you an idea of what, what it took to accomplish this test was we had, you know, two crews running on shifts, um, and they would do handoffs every 12 hours. Um, and, and, you know, it gave an opportunity to, for some team building there too, as well, because the, crew leaving had to trust that the crew um, coming was going to take care of everything and vice versa when they came back in the next day. So um, it was really good, a really good test all around and quite a, quite a milestone for the program. How did the test go overall? I'm sure, you know, something is bound to happen across 36 hours, but by all accounts, at least from the outside and what we know so far, it, it seems like it was a success. Yeah, no, the, the test was an, was an, um, an overall success for the program and we achieved our goals, uh, that we laid out, which was to, you know, accomplish 36 and prove the reliability and, um, and performance of the car. At this stage, where is the Porsche 963 in terms of development? The 963 is in the unique position of having a seven month head start on any other LMDH car. Where do you feel like that places you all in terms of development? I mean, I think, I don't know if we view it as a head start, Jonathan. I think we view it as the the plan that our group put together and, and we decided to carry out. Obviously, the other manufacturers had a different approach, but that doesn't, um, you know, change what we can control. And what we control is to make sure that we're prepared. And so we're still going through that plan. Um, you know, obviously, there's some roadblocks at the beginning with some reliability issues that we all struggled with, but those seem to be getting less and less as we go on throughout time here. And you know, the Daytona 24 hours isn't moving. So uh, the race is going to run whether ready or not. And so we're, we're looking forward to that timeline and making sure we're prepared. Where is the car at this stage of the testing process? How close is it to being, as they say, in the window at a place where you and the drivers are happy with it ahead of what we'll see at the roar before the 24? Yeah, I think, you know, all of us want to be further along and, you know, 
um, more prepared. But I think, you know, the group right now feels we're at an acceptable level of preparation with the, with the two and a half or three months that we have remaining till the start of the day turn 24 hours. So um, I feel like we're in a, in a good spot, obviously some work still to be done, but um, you know, in general, we, we feel the program's moving in the right direction. We know that with any race car, especially one this complicated, roadblocks and gremlins are, are bound to be a part of the development process. What are some of the major challenges that the 963 has faced or is currently facing at this stage in the development process? I think that, you know, the biggest biggest task we have in front of us is obviously this is a, you know, hybrid hybrid car. It's the first time that Team Penske has been exposed to a hybrid car. Obviously, you know, our manufacturer partner Porsche has a lot of experience with their previous hybrid prototypes and the Formula E programs, which have helped to shortcut that a lot. Um, but it really gets down to to operationally um, how we how we show up at the racetrack, how we run the practice sessions, and those kind of things. So I think you know making sure we have all the right equipment, pieces, and personnel um, in place, and and people with the proper training and 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 preparation level to to perform at the highest level of the Daytona 24 Hours. That's really the goal. And so you know I think a combination of just getting more time with the car and 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 understanding what what it takes to race these cars at, at a top level, which is what it's going to take to win in IMSA and WEC. Well, obviously, it's hard to top a 36-hour test, but what is the next big milestone in the testing and development program for the 963? Like we talked, that check in the box that the reliability is no longer the, the Achilles heel of the car and the program. Um, you know, that was a huge step for us. And now we can start to focus on, you know, driver feedback and and optimization of the performance of the car and and not just you know over a qualifying lap um i think both championships are taking the approach of um, probably reducing tire sets that cars are allowed to use over the course of weekend so being able to double and triple set tires at at places that are really aggressive on tire wear is really important for the program and so you know starting to really get down into the details of the performance window of the car and and listening to driver feedback and tuning the car for, for what those guys need and and similarly to the technicians and mechanics that work on it really streamlining those processes to make sure those guys can guys and women can work efficiently um to to produce results on the track which is really what we're what we're here for how much is is porsche penske preparing at this stage for the imsa sanction test at daytona ahead of the roar i think there's a lot of work that goes into you know an imsa sanction test obviously you know our program um, similar to some of the other manufacturers has run two cars already um, we were able to do that in monza so preparing um, preparing cars from the testing phase to the racing phase, you know, a lot of test sensors have to come off and, you know, the cars have to be buttoned up and, and presented in sort of the homologation spec that, that IMSA expects. Um, and, you know, really, again, it's that, that's the, all of it's around the roadmap to the Daytona 24 hours and IMSA has given the teams an opportunity to test Daytona for two days, which is valuable because it's difficult to get track time there. And so, again, just getting the people and personnel all in the, all in the right place and, and trying to run two cars at the same time in a, an efficient manner. Just personally for yourself, how excited are you for the debut of this car at the Roar and then at the Rolex 24? I mean, I'm sure it's been, you know, nose to the grindstone since the word go with this project. But this is really, you know, as they're saying, the start of the golden era for sports car racing. And Porsche was the first one to start testing. Uh, there's been a, a tremendous amount of excitement around the 963 mm -hmm. and the Porsche Penske partnership altogether. How much excitement does that build for you? I mean, it's, it's hugely exciting and, and, you know, testing, testing for the period of time that we've done, it can be extremely difficult um, because oftentimes you're running at the circuit by yourself and it's really long hours and it's not going correct or great all the time. And so, you you know, you're facing challenges every day. Um, but, but just to give you a level of the excitement, I had the opportunity at Daytona to, 
take 30 minutes and go and drive around the track when we were testing with some of the other manufacturers. And I, you know, at one point we were coming up on the back one of the Acuras and I felt myself uh, just getting excited to, you know, see the cars close to close and race again. Like, so really, really looking forward to Daytona. So well, we certainly are as well. I want to talk about the program as a whole for just a moment. Porsche and Penske together again. This is a huge partnership and, and probably one of the more high-powered ones that we've seen in a while. And we know this isn't the first time these two programs have met. But for you, what does it mean to be a part of this program and part of this partnership uh, at such an important time in the sport? I mean, it it is a monumental effort on on both sides, from the manufacturer side and then from the team side. You know, I think in within within team penske and the way we go racing we always try to provide uh you know our employees all the opportunities and tools they need to succeed and porsche takes the exact same approach with um the preparation you know our our programs used offline simulation driver simulators all of the sort of rigs you can imagine and wind tunnels and track testing and everything like that so really all the tools and parts and pieces are in place um and a lot of hard work has gone into it up up to this point from all levels of the team, um, you know, even including the multi- Multimatic um, Constructor Partnership and and some of the other partners that have been involved in the program and put in monumental efforts. And so, you know, with that excitement and those resources and and that effort, um, you know, there's an expectation to produce results. And really, it's all about competition and, and competing against the other manufacturers and see if the decisions that we all made and all the effort that we put in were the right ones. And and you know, re- it's really all about competition. Well, it sounds like from what you're saying, not only was this an organic partnership, but one that kind of matched the mindsets of Porsche and Penske. Has that been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Porsche is a really performance-driven brand and and Team Penske is a is a performance-driven company. And 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 luckily, um, you know, over over history, both groups have been extremely successful apart and also together. And and you know, I build this view this LMDH program as a continuation of the Porsche and Penske partnership that have produced um, you know, marquee wins and championships and results in the past. And, and that's our expectation in the future. I, I'm curious about the organization of the two different programs. You're going to have one separate team running in IMSA, one separate team running in the World Endurance Championship. But it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of cross-pollination there. Can you share anything at all about how that will work or who will be transferred across between both programs? Because it seems like you're juggling a lot of plates at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, you mentioned it earlier that it's a it's a huge program and it really is. Um, you know, I believe Cadillac is going to run run two two cars in both or one car in both championships. Um, and and not to you know say that's not not a difficult thing to do in itself. It is. Um, but you know, running running a two cars and a two car in a two car championship is is really is really a huge task and something that's been extremely challenging for everybody involved. You know, we've over the past eighteen months. Um, you know, renovated and built a shop in Germany. We've hired almost three quarters of a team of race personnel to run two cars and, you know, in both IMSA and WEC and staffing levels will be like in the low, low forties for each of those programs. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people have helped, um, myself and, and Travis law will be the two people that'll be directly involved in both programs, IMSA and WEC. And then there'll be a management structure below that, um, sort of operating the teams on the day-to-day basis. Um, but there's going to be a lot of airplane flights and car rides and trains and all kinds of mass transportation between Travis and I to make sure we try to touch all the events that we can um, and cover the bases there. And, you know, you mentioned the partnership earlier. We've got Urs Caradal um, from Porsche, who's also who's also in that loop to make sure that, you know, we have representation at all the events and, and are representing PPM appropriately. 
Well, I can imagine everybody at Porsche Penske, yourself included, was sitting there crossing their fingers, just hoping there weren't going to be any major conflicts or clashes. Yeah, I think, you know, I think all the championships try to do the best they can between IMSA and WEC and Formula E and SRO and all these all these top level championships out there that all these drivers want to get into. But, you know, mechanics and teams as well. Unfortunately, I think we're going to end up with we have ended up with clashes on Portimao and Long Beach and uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park in Monza, um, which we'll deal with. But that's, you know, why we took an approach where the teams can operate um, and are fully staffed to operate by themselves. And in addition to the races, there's as you would imagine, intensive testing programs that happen to as well. So just, you know, the pure amount of events that the two teams and programs are going to do, um, you know, it's going to be a lot. So really needed to staff, staff the teams independently. Well, we know that the cars run by Porsche Penske will effectively be the factory cars for Porsche, but there are also customer cars at play. We know Proton, Joda, JDC Miller. How do the customers factor into development? Have they had a hand in the development process? Have they been involved or present at any of the major tests so far? Just what has their involvement looked like up to this point? Yeah, I think the you know the customer pro- customer programs have been part of the planning of the of the nine six three from the beginning. Um, our main focus has been working with Porsche Motorsport and developing the car and making sure it's reliable. Um, but those teams have had the opportunity to to join some of the, the tests that we've done both in the U.S. and and in Europe. Um, and, and, you know, their main point of contact is Porsche Motorsport. And I think that's the way it's going to be going forward. Um, but they, they have been present, um, to, to sort of witness the testing that's going on. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention the drivers. Porsche Penske has really come out swinging here. Some of the biggest names and some of the biggest talent in the sport will be piloting the 963s for Porsche Penske. That's got to feel good. I mean, the decision, I'm sure, wasn't an easy one. You have plenty of talent in the stable uh, on both the Penske side and the Porsche side. With that many high-quality drivers, uh, I'm sure this was a tough decision for who to put in the car uh, and what you're going through now of who to pair with who. Yeah, I think so. I think anything's on the table. And, you know, like you said, the the goal from our program is to put the put the highest performing individuals in the car and on the teams. And that's the approach we're going to take throughout the program. Um, you know, I think when we're having to make decisions between IMSA championship winners and World Endurance Championship winners, Lamar winners, Daytona 24-hour winners and Sebring 12-hour winners, there's not really a wrong choice. Um, so it's it's a good it's a good problem to have. Um you know, but all these guys are very driven and they all want to win just like we do in the programs and stuff like that. And so we're, we're putting together those driver pairings and, and the best way we see possible to, to produce the maximum results. Well, Porsche and Penske seems like they're, they're in the unique and, and favorable position of, you know, the fact that if a driver has Porsche or Penske on the driver's suit already, they're, they're already the cream of the crop. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you hit on it there and, the, the other benefit of the duration of our testing program is, you know, all those, all of our drivers have gotten the opportunity to really sample the car at a variety of circuits and get a good amount of seat time. You know, we're pulling guys with prototype experience, some, you know, without prototype experience. And so really getting, getting exposure to that as much as possible because, you know, some of the, some of the guys in our driver crew are going to go from the cars being passed to the cars doing the passing. And so, you know, these events, like you mentioned at Daytona and and the roar and some of these other prologue testing events, uh, you know, give those guys to get seat time opportunity and and be, be on the different foot than what they've been in the past, not looking in the mirror so much. I'm curious about the different backgrounds from the drivers, too. Some are coming in with high downforce and previous prototype experience, some with primarily just a GT background. Have you noticed a difference between pace or comfort level with the car or adaptability between some of the drivers that have different backgrounds in racing? No, look, I mean, all these guys are all these guys are professionals and, you know, 
I don't think we can belittle GT cars right now because the RSR and some of the other cars you guys have driven are, are basically prototypes under the skin um, and very high performance. And so, you know, all, all the guys in our driver crew have, have really adapted very, very quickly. Um, and the other thing about the LMDH formula is the downforce level is a little bit lower than sort of LMP1 regulations or even DPI or, or LMP2 regulations a few years back. And so it's taken them a little bit closer to, to GT cars, still more downforce than a GT car, but they do slide and can give a lot of feedback. And so I think the diverse background that our driver pairings have and our driver crew has, has helped to develop and shape the car to be, you know, good in a lot of conditions. And, and, you know, the vital feedback from all those guys have been really important in that, that development phase. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the golden era. It's fairly unanimous that we're approaching a very special time in the history of sports car racing and something we haven't seen in quite a while. What gets you excited about what's to come, not only for Porsche Penske, but the sport in general in the next couple of years? I mean, I think, you know, the the last golden era that people recognize in both championships was, you know, an IMSA during the DPI era and, you know, in the early 2000s with our Spider and Audis. And, and, you know, you look at those golden eras and even the WC championship, it was two or three manufacturers fighting extremely hard, but only two or three manufacturers. And we're looking at, IMSA and the WEC, and we're talking, you know, between five and eight manufacturers, all with top level programs, top level drivers and top level cars, all fighting for the same, for the same race wins. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have compared it to group C back in the day. And I think that's probably an adequate comparison, but this is even, even more aggressive just because of the amount of effort that everybody's putting in. And we've got the, you know, huge anniversary at Le Mans coming up here next year. And it's the first year of the combination of LMDH and hypercar regulations. And so everybody wants, everybody wants the big trophies and and that's what they're all going for. And so just to see the amount of effort that the manufacturers are putting in, um, you know, I think just, just goes to show what the, what the product is going to look like on the racetrack. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be really exciting to have, you know, that many prototypes racing for overall win. Well, we certainly can't wait either. Thank you so much for your time today, Jonathan. It's been an absolute pleasure. No problem. Thank you.